You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening, everybody. Robert Carrillo here, and happy midweek. We are in midweek tonight, and uh, it's great to have you with us. Great to see the family of God, the family of Jesus, the church, uh, all together, and Zoom, <laughs> as best we can. And tonight we got a special class. Uh, obviously, I'm here for a special reason, and um, we're going to do a lesson on elders and deacons. And before you tune out thinking, oh, some academic lesson, uh, this is actually really important to where we're at. Now, I know some of you are tuning right in because you want to know about this stuff, and some um, I'm asking you to tune in because we need to know about these kind of things. And and this is going to be a really important class that kind of sets the stage for things coming uh, down the pike here in our future in the metro region. And I'm excited to to announce and share and explain some of the things that we have coming along. I hope you had a great day today. So I hope you I hope you good things happened. And if they didn't, if you had a difficult day, take a deep breath and let's hand it over to God. Let's all let's all just take a deep breath. Be in the moment. We're in the moment now. We get to sit down. We get to listen to God's word, which is always good. And uh, we're going to learn some things that I think are going to be really helpful. So the title is Elders and Deacons. And um, I want to start out sharing about, you know, we had we had a, a set of goals that we laid out at the beginning of 2021. Um, and they've been in line with the goals that we set out in 2020 to build up the spiritual leadership team for the metro region. Uh, really, there's an old saying that we never want it to be true, but it always is true. And the old saying is, as go the leaders, so go the people. And unfortunately, it's just proven again and again. And if you have any doubt about that, read your Bible, especially First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. As go the leaders, so go the people. And so leadership is incredibly important. And what Michelle and I, our goal is to help build a leadership team here in Metro that can take Metro into being a great church for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And, um, and believe it or not, some of us are going to be around in 20, 30, 40 years. I would have never thought about being around 38 years later, but here I am 38 later, years later, still in the church and the Metro region, unless Jesus comes back, which could happen in about 10 minutes or it could happen in a thousand years. We don't know, but if he doesn't come back, the metro region, the LA church will still be here. So um, how do we know that? Well, because Jesus said not even the gates of Hades will overcome. So anyways, our 2021 goals, we talked about building up a spiritual leadership team for the metro region. And of course, in a lot of this, I'm using Ephesians 4 and Philippians 1 as kind of the model. And we'll get to that. We'll read those in a few minutes. But the bottom line is, in Ephesians 4, he talks about the apostles, evangelists, teachers, and elders, right? Or prophets, actually, even. Apostles and prophets we don't have, uh, although we do have their writings. So another reason why it's so important that we're studying our Bibles, that we're reading, and that's what an apostolic church is, is a church that follows the teaching of the apostles. Why is that important? Well, because in Acts 2, that's what it says. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, right? So we stick to that. We have that in Scripture. But we have in person evangelists, right? And and that's one of the key roles, the role of the evangelist or minister, you could call them. Um, there seems to be in the Bible kind of a progression. Somebody becomes a deacon, then they become a minister, and then they become evangelist. Do you have to go through all the steps? Well, nowhere does it say that, but that's kind of what we see in different situations. But at the very least, you start out a minister, and then a minister is appointed an evangelist. Um, the other role we see in Ephesians 4 is teachers. And that's something really uh, kind of new in our fellowship where we're adding a lot of teachers these days. And then the other one is elders, which we are going to focus on a lot today. And and you maybe notice that, well, deacons is not on there because they weren't mentioned in Ephesians 4, but they are mentioned in Philippians 1 and in a whole bunch of other places. So, uh, so but that was our goal was to build up those uh, roles. Why? So that the church is strong. 
so that the church is healthy. In Ephesians 4, it says that the church is not tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching. And boy, lately there's been so many winds of teaching and so many different ideas bounced around from from all over different aspects, socially, culturally, politically, uh, just I can go on and on, right? We've talked a lot about that. But, but how that is why the leadership model is so important and how the church does. I, mean, I think we all want to be part of a, health, of a healthy, happy church. Amen? That's what we're trying to do. And a church that walks with Jesus, that is filled with the Spirit, is a healthy, happy church. And that, to a great part, depends on the leadership that it has. So, leadership is incredibly important. And our goals to appoint and build up the leadership are incredibly important for all of us. For all of us. Um, Michelle and I got here. We had, of course, elders in place, the Webbers, uh, who are who are part of the overall leadership of the LA Church, which is many groups, many couples of elders. So they're part of an elders team for the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. And and that is significant because sometimes we get provincial in our thinking. And it's all about my sector or my region or you know or even my congregation. We have to remember we're we're members of the kingdom of God. And God does not you don't see sectors in the Bible, you don't see regions in the Bible, you just see the church, right? So we have to have always that universal perspective that our devotion is to the kingdom of God and to our church, not just my little group, my Bible talker, my sector or my region. But the elders are part of the overall team. And then of course we had evangelists already here Reese Kiaina and a woman's ministry leader and his wife Grace, who are awesome, fantastic people. There were a number of deacons who were operating as deacons uh, the Sanchez, the Souls, the Tolentinos, the Vus, the Downings, and the Esperantos uh, were operating as deacons. There are actually other deacons that had either come from another place or just no longer operating as deacons. There's not really a strict teaching on in the Bible in terms of how long does a deacon last a deacon. You know, for an elder, it's pretty much given a lifetime role. Is that the same for deacons? Don't know. You know, typically on a practical level, it's are they operating as deacons? And if they're not operating as deacons anymore, then they're not really deacons anymore. So we'll be figuring out exactly how we recognize and and do all that. But obviously with Michelle and I coming here, we've been able to amplify a little, you know, somewhat the leadership model. We continue to have the Webbers add the Creos to the evangelist and women's ministry leader role. Um, and myself as a teacher, I am a teacher. I'm part of the, the, the ICLC teachers, uh, service team and, and serving here in LA as a teacher in LA. Uh, last week I met, uh, with a group in coastal to deal with some doctrinal issues, to talk about some doctrinal questions. This Friday I'll be speaking in Orange County and I don't do a lot of that, but a little bit because that, is who I am, and that's what I've been called to by God. Um, and I saw so I operate on a congregational level and ICOC level. You know, I've done some of the workshops, ICOC workshops uh, on justice and race relations in the church and, and other things. But um, so we have those, amen. So we're moving forward just by us arriving here and having that in place. And again, all of this is to build... The region as a healthy region. We learned some very painful lessons in 2001 to 2003 when uh, a lot of our weaknesses, our faults, our errors were exposed in the International Churches of Christ. They came to a head. And one of the things we realized was that, um, that our model was very deficient of leadership. You know, it, we, we traditionally have had the evangelists wearing all the hats. And if you were lucky in a church, you may have some elders who also get to help, but typically weren't part of the main voice of the leadership of the church. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that I won't get into now, but but um, it became very clear that one, elders need to have a greater say in the leadership of the church, which really is just being more biblical about an eldership. And two, uh, we need to have teachers. And so the process to appointing and, and raising up teachers has just begun. We are now appointing more and more teachers. I'm super excited about that because I think that will help 
uh, the overall health of the church. Those roles are so incredibly important that everybody's... If you think about it in terms of a, a football team, you've got to have your offensive... Uh, your offense, not offensive, your offense and your defense cranking. That means there needs to be, you know, a defensive coordinator. There needs to be somebody who's focused on the defense, somebody who's focused on the offense. You know, if you're, if you're a, 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 you know, a soccer fan, then you've got somebody who trains the forwards, somebody who trains the midfielders, somebody who trains the, trains the defenders so that all parts of the team are working great. And in many ways, that's, how it is with the church. God put this team together of leadership. And the stronger and healthier that team is, the stronger and healthier the church is going to be. So how important is it? It's incredibly important. It's really important. So we're continuing that um, in in raising up leaders and appointing leaders. I have a really exciting announcement. You know, I mentioned this before, and now I want to make it official that we are adding to the ministry staff um, and our special announcement is adding, we are officially adding Casey and Michelle Esmond. So yeah, cheer, hands up, wave, you know, whatever you do, come on, let's, let's, let's give it up for Casey and Michelle. We're super excited. You know, as I said before, Casey was already hired. He had a very small part. I mean, less than part-time in a lot of ways. But he and Michelle have made it known that they want to go full-time in the ministry and devote themselves to serving the church, and we're super excited about that. And um, um, so, uh, literally, Casey comes on immediately. He's going to be a full-time in the ministry. As you all know, um, they just had a baby, and uh, Michelle is taking care of her baby as she should and as she can. And um, so we're not; she's not coming on right away. But by January, she'll be on. So we're excited about that. One more time, let's cheer, let's applaud, let's snap, let's give it up for Casey and Michelle. You know, I am super excited about them because uh, uh, in the year and a half that Michelle and I have been here, we've gotten to know their hearts. We've been getting with them. Uh, we've been so impressed by their hearts, their lives. Uh, clearly, uh, Reese and Grace have poured themselves into Casey and Michelle, their 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 training has been just fantastic, but and but they also have just golden hearts, and I am very confident God's going to do great things through them, and I can't well I I was going to say I can't wait to start training them, but we've been training them already, and we will continue the Kiainas and the Creos to continue training them and developing them to become evangelists and women's ministry leaders. So pray for them. Uh, we they Their first ministry they're going to grab a hold of and pour themselves into is the singles, which we're super excited about. Building up the singles ministry, a great ministry that has been asking for help. And, and, and we're super excited about Casey and Michelle. And the, the, the Keys will continue to help as shepherding the, the singles, as well as working with the marrieds. If you've noticed, we've got a marriage retreat, and Latanya has already, and James, have become the voices for that. We're super excited about that. Um, so I'm just excited. We're building a great team. And and so welcome, Casey and Michelle, and we're all excited about that. They will have other responsibilities as well, not only the singles, but, but that will be their primary, but they will also help us building the region into a healthy, healthy, happy church. Um, so back to the original topic here was the elders. And um, we are working on that. We have been working on raising up elders. Uh, we've been, uh, the, the LAICC or the Los Angeles International Church of Christ has had an ongoing elders training program. And a number of our people have been attending that, the Sanchez, the Vuz, the Esperantos. Recently, we've added the Simmons to that. Um, and and they have been uh, participating in that. When Michelle and I got here about a year ago now, no, or maybe seven, eight months ago, I can't remember exactly, but a while ago, Michelle and I started getting with these couples as well to further their training. Of course, Paul told Timothy and Titus to go and appoint elders. So it was the job of the evangelist to go in and appoint elders. And, and we consider that one of the most sacred duties we have here in Metro is to appoint elders. And we're super excited about the couples we have. Um, 
that we have a group, we call it the shepherd's training group, basically, because just because somebody's in it is not a guarantee that they're going to be an elder. They're asked to be in it because they're close to being an elder or they're fulfilling that role of shepherding. Um, now, does that? there are people that are going to be great shepherds in the sense of the practical sense of they take care of people, but may not qualify to be elders, may not become elders. Uh, there are very clear qualifications. We'll talk about that in a minute. But these are people who seem to qualify for the eldership and have the heart to be shepherds and are shepherding the church. And I think you guys would all agree um, that the Sanchez, the Vuz, the Sprantos, and the Simmons uh, would all fall in that category. Now, I do want to add the Henleys to that because, as you know, the Henleys were elders here and they moved away. And so they cease to be elders here. They're back. And as I said with deacons, it doesn't necessarily mean you automatically keep that role. Um, and so uh, they have been coming to the elders uh, training group and getting, you know, trained or polished or refurbished or however you want to put it as well and becoming part of that team, of course. And the Webbers were very involved in the Los Angeles uh, eldership training and have been involved in this group as well. So we're we're super excited. The team is coming together. I'm super excited. I want to share a few things about this and, and just some teachings on eldership because what's going to happen is in the next few months, their names are going to be put out there to be considered by the region for the eldership, okay, to be appointed as elders. So I want to talk about what is an elder, the qualifications of an elder, and what to be looking for you as a member okay so this, uh, this so it's really important this 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 midweek's really important that we pay pay close attention to what we're doing here because it sets the stage for the future of the church here in metro i am super excited about them so here we go we're jumping into elders and deacons the topic a biblical study of elders and deacons now i'm not going to say i'm going to say right now um, I could probably do three or four midweeks on this. We don't need to go into that much depth, depth but um, I do want to make sure that whatever we do is always biblical, right? We know that if we follow the Bible, if we do what the Bible teaches, things will go great. And God can move, and the Holy Spirit can move powerfully, and that's what we always want to do. So that's why we start everything with a biblical study, right? So the two roles that we're talking about, diakonos is one, deacons, and the other is elder, but in Greek it's episcope, uh, episcope, which is um, where we get the English word, or Spanish word, obispo, or the English word bishop, right? That's an elder. That is that is somebody who, it, when, when the Bible talks about elders, it generally uses uh, three or f- even four different terms, overseer, older elder, shepherd and pastor i mean older is more a description but overseer shepherd and pastor are the same are basically the same role sometimes it'll be translated as one because the word is different episcope episcope means uh, uh, a bishop or or it's a form of a shepherd the presbutero presbuteros is a shepherd right it's a presbyter we get like the presbyterian church or presbyterians that's the the shepherd and Poime is a pastor. All of them are different forms of shepherds, pastors, overseers. Uh, same idea. And you'll see different scriptures that use different words. Right now we're focusing on the episcope or the, 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 the shepherds, the overseers. So we read in that model that I mentioned earlier, Ephesians 4.11, he talks about the the model of the church leadership. And he says, the, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a mouthful. That's that's fantastic direction. Basically, you know, he's saying that God gave us these different roles to strengthen and build up the church so that we reach maturity or perfection. Actually, the word in Greek, teleos, is perfect, that we all become perfect in Jesus, meaning not flawless, but meaning completely mature, completely developed, right? So what roles does he give us? The apostle role, okay, we, like I said earlier, we don't have apostles anymore, uh, and the prophets, which we also don't have anymore. I probably should have sh- sh- 
highlighted apostles in red as well because all the roles here are being highlighted. So, but what we do have is the scriptures, which are written by the prophets and by the apostles, right? So we have their teaching, we have their instruction, and they really have priority because they're especially called by God to instruct us. But not just them. He also got a, he says he provides evangelists, right? Those who preach the gospel, those who teach the good news of Jesus, those who tell the world about Jesus, and pastors, the shepherds, those who take care of the flock, right? Those who defend the flock and lead the flock to green pastures, you know, take care of the flock and teachers, those who equip and train and, and instruct the members of the church. That's your full team right there. That's, that's, that is an ace team, right? That's a team that will take us to the Super Bowl. That's a team that will take us to the World Series that will help us be victorious as a church. I love that team, um, and elders or pastors, as it says here, are a key part of that. Now, the other one you might be wondering about is deacons, right? Philippians 1, um, we get just, it's a comment from Paul, but it tells us a lot. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Um, so it's interesting because he's writing to the church and, and, and clearly he's addressing the leadership, which in this case is the overseers and deacons. So apparently they didn't have an evangelist there at that point. They didn't have a teacher there that at that point, but they had overseers and deacons, which, you know, shows you that you, you do with what you got, right? You do as much as you can with what you got. Many church, most of the churches in our fellowship don't have elders. Most of the churches in our fellowship don't have teachers. Um, uh, but what most of them have is an evangelist because that's who typically will plant the church. But it is important to have overseers. Paul sent out Timothy and Titus to make sure that they appointed overseers or, as we know them, elders quickly. Why? Because the church needs that role. That role is really important. And deacons who basically take care of all the nuts and bolts of the church. That's the way it's supposed to be. Part of why our models suffered and, and, and kind of imploded in 2001, 2003 is because we had evangelists and women's ministry leaders wearing all those hats. They, they were teaching the church. They were taking care of the church. They were, they were shepherding the church. They were serving all the nuts and bolts of the church. They were just doing too much. And that is not what God designed. And evangelists should be advancing the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel, helping us all to be fruitful you know, and, and having an impact in our city. There's a whole lot more than that to do, right? So that's why we need all those roles. So we, so we see there between Ephesians 4 and Philippians 1, the basic idea of the model. There's more, but no time to go into too much detail. Now, the principle that's important behind all of this, really important here, <clears throat> is what kind of leadership does the church need? Uh, there's a little there's a little scene in Acts 6, and I've mentioned it a number of times in classes, that really shows the importance of leadership and how leadership works. In Acts 6.3, it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word. Which, there's a boatload of information in this. Okay, one thing is... is the apostles wanted to get back to prayer and ministry of the word. They were above all spiritual leaders, men who walked with God. Always the leadership of a church should be led by men and women who walk with God. That's incredibly important, right? And, but really not just those roles, every role. I mean, these, these were, they were appointing what would be later called as the first deacons. The title didn't exist yet. The role didn't exist yet. This is the very beginning, right? And they chose these, these seven brothers and look at what their requirement is, that they're full of spirit and wisdom. They have to be spiritual men and their spirituality has to affect how they live, right? That they are, they're full of wisdom. Wisdom comes from where? comes from God. So they have to be men who walk for with God. Now keep in mind, this is waiting on tables. This is distributing the food to the widows. Okay, how important is that? Well, in one sense, 
this isn't a big highlighted role. This is like what Chris and 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 Augustus and Jerry and and, and different people in our region go do, and they distribute food to the homeless or food to the to the kids that are being held in detention centers, or or a a Bible talk you know distributes food to somebody who's sick in their Bible talk or needs support. Even that role, which can be seemingly not that important, actually is very important and requires spirit-filled leadership, wise leadership. So in other words, it's a principle that applies to every level of leadership in the church. There should not be leaders who are not spiritual. And again, this going back to one one of the painful lessons we learned back in 2001, 2003, there were people, and if you've been around, you know it, that were being appointed leaders because they were talented, because they were sharp, because they were good looking, because they had, they had a lot of worldly abilities, but not necessarily very spiritual. And when you have unspiritual leadership, it always collapses. It never lasts very long. And in order for the church to be the church, in other words, the or the group of people that endure throughout the ages, it must have spiritual leadership. This is what God was setting up right from the beginning. Leadership must be spiritual. And so that's that's like the primordial uh, uh, requirement, the primordial criteria is anybody who leads anything. That would apply to a Bible talk leader. That would apply to the person who's who's leading communion, to worship team leader, to singers. They must be spiritual. Why? Because they are impacting the church. And we want people who are led by God. We have sometimes this false idea that we, we want to be a democracy and anybody ought to be able to lead and anybody ought to be able to get up and preach. That is not how God sees things. God wants people that are walking with him, that are filled with his spirit, that he's able to direct and guide along to lead in his church. So that's a really, really important principle that all leadership roles need to be filled by spiritual people full of wisdom. Um, so we read the actual commands of, of, of eldership. So we got Titus 1.5. There's two that give us a good description of what it means to be an elder and, and what are the qualifications for, or really, um, it's not really qualifications as much as it is qualities, you know, or maybe it's not requirements as much as it is qualifications. But Titus 1 5 says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put on order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Crete is that big island in the Mediterranean. That, that 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 Paul had already gone there and planted a church and his missionary journey, and the church is established, but they have no elders. Now you have to know that in every in the ancient world, particularly in Israel, but also even around Israel, every village had elders. It had men who the entire village trusted and had confidence in, and they were the natural leaders of that village. There wasn't a civic government like we understand civic government. There was a community leadership, and those were elders. So elders were very important in the community. And this would be true in the synagogue. This would be true in a village. This would be true. So that's why in the Old Testament, you see a lot of comments about elders, and they're the ones that sat at the gate. They're the ones that, that dictated, that judged things, that made decisions about the community. This was a very important role always. Now, the church followed very much the pattern of the synagogue, the pattern of the of Jewish community. So the church followed that same pattern. Elders will take care of the community. Elders will make sure the community's needs are being met. So since they didn't have those yet, and, and this is a new community, and they don't have elders in place, and obviously the churches were spreading and, and multiplying, so you had all these groups, the apostles couldn't be everywhere all the time, and even though the apostles became elders, you know, Peter calls himself an elder, John calls himself an elder, um, they couldn't be everywhere, right? So, so Timothy and Titus were sent out to go appoint elders. So here's what he says about an elder. He says that an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient, 
Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. You know, he's basically, he's, he's got to be awesome, right? I mean, he's, he's got to be a man of character, of integrity, of spirituality. He's got to be courageous. He's got to be a teacher. That's just one list, right? There's another list, right? This is Timothy's list. And he says, here's the trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer, an elder, deserves a noble task, desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach. We've heard that before. Faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Okay, so again, pretty thorough list. Not exactly the same, not exactly the same, but pretty close, pretty close. The gist of it is exactly the same. The gist of it. So if I listed out all these requirements, here they are. Okay, so when you think of somebody becoming an elder, this is what you're looking for, he's saying. Somebody who's blameless as a steward of God, above reproach. They don't have a bunch of stuff that people are accusing them. There isn't somebody suing them for this or that. There isn't, you know, they're not a a, 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 a bad business guy who's ripping people off or anything. They have a good reputation. They're above reproach. They're living a life as good as they can, right? Faithful husband to his wife, um, temperate, sober, vigilant, sober-minded, prudent, uh, good behavior, orderly, respectable, given to hospitality, able to teach, not given to wine, okay? In other words, they're not a drunkard. Doesn't mean they don't drink wine. means that they're not a drunkard. They're not given to it. Not violent or pugnacious, patient, moderate, forbearing, gentle, uncontentious. They're not getting in arguments all the time. They're not raising arguments all the time. Not soon angry or quickly tempered or quick to anger, quick to temper, lose their temper. Not covetous. You know, they're not trying to going after money, going after nice things all the time. And, and they're not caught in materialism or covetous of their neighbors. Not a lover of money. Rules his own house well. His children are faithful not accused of rebellion to God. It is important to note that only one of this list said that the children must be faithful, not both of them. But both of them said they must run their household well and their children must be obedient. Um, Not a novice or a new convert, have a good reputation with outsiders, not self-willed, a lover of what is good, just, fair, holy, devout, self-controlled, and hold firmly to the faithful message as it has been taught. In other words, they're solid in biblical teachings and the things they've been trained in, okay? That's quite a list, right? I mean, frankly speaking, there aren't a whole lot of people that qualify for that. Very few. And it wasn't something like a goal or a checklist that people are supposed to, I'm going to do this and check, I did that, I check, I did that. It's not that. He told Timothy and Titus to go into the church and look for men that this describes, Look for men that the church sees are like this, right? And I kind of summarized it a little bit um, just to kind of group some of the teachings. So what is he saying? An elder has to be somebody who's spiritual, right? They're holy. They're devout. They are a lover of good, okay? Following that same Acts 6 principles, it has to be a brother who is very spiritual, you know, his inclination is to pray. His inclination is to seek God's will, is to turn to the scriptures, is to see what does the Bible say? What are the examples in the Bible? What does the Bible command? What are what can be inferred from the scriptures? What 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 examples do we have in the scriptures? That's 
the way their mind works, right? Very spiritual. It talks about having noble character. You know, it says above reproach, good behavior, respectful, just. He believes in justice. Is He's fair. He believes in things being fair, equitable, right? Equality. He he believes in these things. And, and he doesn't show preference to the rich and ignore the poor. He doesn't show preference to the poor and hate the rich. You know, he's, he's, he's fair with everyone. That's a noble character. They're honest. This is the person that if, if they give somebody pay with a $10 bill and the person accidentally gives them $20 bill change and they catch it when they're walking out to the car, they walk back in and say, no, you know what? You gave me too much change. That's how honest this person has to be. That's the kind of integrity this person has to to have. Um, self-controlled, you know, there or or another way of saying self-controlled is really spirit-controlled. Um, they're temperate. They're vigilant. They're not given too much wine. They're not out of control. They're not. They're not giving into an addiction. That doesn't mean they don't have an addiction. It just means they don't give into it. You know, they don't. They don't. They don't give themselves over to it, to their impulses, to their drives. Whether that's materialism, drugs, overeating, uh, uh, whatever. You know that that they control themselves. Why? Because they're spirit filled. They 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 hold themselves in check. Um, they are wise, right? Why? Because they're spending all this time in the Bible and praying. Um, they're prudent, sober-minded, patient. You know, think of the fruits of the Spirit that that um, that that are revealed in their life. They're proven through family. How are their families? You know, I mentioned earlier that that okay. Typically, in the churches of Christ, they have to have both, all their kids have to be faithful to the church. Um, that has been looked at and challenged because when when a when a child becomes an adult, they make their own decisions. They're no longer under the leadership of the parents. So here in Los Angeles, somebody can become an elder even if their adult children fall away because when they were children in the house, he managed his household well. Because that's specifically what he's talking about. How is his household going? How is his family? And then the universal concept is that he manages it well. The kids obey. They're not given to disrespect or rebellion. They're respectful. So they may not even be a member of the church, but if they're an adult and they're respectful and they're obedient, they, 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 the, that doesn't disqualify the, the parent. Um, that That is where we've landed. I will tell you, there are some churches that followed more the older traditional strict belief which is kids have to be faithful their entire lives um but most many of our churches don't don't follow that older interpretation we follow the the the, the this understanding that they, if they manage their household well they raise their kids well that's the real test and of course paul makes the argument how can somebody manage the household of god if they didn't take care of their own household that's really really important you know it, it's a good test of leadership how is the person's family doing? You know, do, are they, and, and that's where all these things, family devotionals, Bible studies, prayer times together, resolving conflicts, family talks, family discussions, praying together. All of this bears fruit, you know, for Michelle and I, it's so cool now that the relationship we have with our kids we have this great relationship. We love it when they come over. Our family loves being together. We love spending time together. Let me tell you, a lot of difficult talks and difficult times we went through to get to that point where we now enjoy the fruit of that, right? So that's that's why when you're choosing an elder, you want to see, do they have that fruit? Did they take care of their family? Because most elders, because they're elders, are either going to have older children or adult children, you know? Um uh, he said humble, you know, well, talks about being humble and courageous, not self-willed, you know, not just, hey, this is what I want. I see it this way. I think that, but really somebody who will listen and it's not about them and it's not about their opinions. They listen to the group. This is part of the reason why elders is always plural. Okay. It's not good to have one elder. Even you may say, well, don't we just have one elder? We only have one elder in our region, but we have a whole group of elders in the church because elders have to hold each other in check and responsible, right? So so even here, I'm so happy that we have a group of men. They're not all going to be appointed at the exact same time. 
Some will be appointed ahead of others. Some are more ready than others. Some have been training longer. Some, some, some need a little more time in the oven, you know, and that's okay. That's good. Um, but what we, Michelle and I hope is that soon we will have a whole team of elders. And it has been a lot on the Webbers taking care of all the needs of Metro without a couple to help them in these last few years. And we're super excited about them getting that help. Uh, you know, the, the, on the list is meek, being meek. It doesn't use the word meek, but he talks about not being contentious, slow to anger, not quick-tempered. Um, those are all qualities of meekness, of of being patient, listening. There's not a reaction, um, uh, uh, but 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 taking their time and and listening. And, and you know, elders are going to have different personalities. Some people are more the the, the, they can sit and listen all day long, you know, and take a month to come to a decision. Other people are, I want to make a decision right now, you know, and both might become elders, but because they're spiritual and spirit led, they learn to be patient and decisive. You know, they learn to wait, but also be able to make solid decisions in due time and stand by those decisions. They must be a leader able to teach, he says, example at home and with outsiders. Right. This is really interesting that it can't have it can't be somebody who has a bad reputation outside the church. Why? Because the community will judge the church by its elders, by its leadership. Right. And if the leadership is shady, people are going to think the church is shady Um, and they must be seasoned, not a novice. You know, the very term elder. It's always interesting to me how there's denominations that appoint teenagers to be elders. It's like, how in the world do you come up with that? I mean, the very word says they're older, right? So really it boils down to trust, character, integrity, and especially and above all, spirituality. And being able to see the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. That's what you're looking for. And as you can tell already, there are not a whole lot of people that fulfill this. I'll tell you this, there's more people that think they should be elders than that are, you know, and that that really qualify. Um, it, in fact, the funny thing is pretty much anybody who is ready to be an elder probably doesn't think they're ready to be an elder because, you know, because humility being one of the, one of the important aspects there. Okay. But let me, let me say that. Okay. We talked a lot about what it means to be, what is the qualification? Let me tell you what it does not say. It does not say that they are perfect or flawless. Does not say that. And that's really important because some people, because they see that criteria so high, such a high standard, they just take it all the way to the top. Basically, nobody can be an elder unless they're like Jesus, you know, unless they're perfect or flawless. No, elders are men who have imperfections. They are men who have flaws. They are men who fall short. That's not what makes them an elder. What makes them an elder is their spirituality their integrity, and their character. It's really important to understand that. Really important. Because rebellious people love to attack the flaws of leadership, and even with eldership. And we've got to be really careful. We've got to, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and it also doesn't say that they know everything, right? Some elders are able to teach deeper Bible studies, some are able to teach life and godliness and holiness and spiritual lifestyle, but maybe they don't have the biblical training of, of a teacher or something. So they, they don't know everything. But what you can count on is not that they know everything. What you can count on is that they walk with God. And they're not rash. They're not going to jump to conclusions. They're going to carefully weigh out things. And if they don't know something, they'll tell you, I don't know. That's the character you're looking for. You're looking for that kind of integrity, that kind of character, and above all, that kind of spirituality. You know, I told my daughters, I've shared this before, I told my daughters when they were young teens, I said, okay, I had them write down a list of what kind of man they wanted to marry. And of course, we went over that list. As a dad, we went over that list and talked about, above all, that has to be somebody spiritual. Why? Because the Bible says you have to submit to your husband. So think about this. He has the right to call you to obedience. Yikes. So what kind of guy do you want to marry? You better marry somebody who's in submission to Jesus, 
in submission to the scriptures and in submission to others. Somebody who himself is being led, somebody who is spiritual, somebody who's got integrity, somebody who's humble. And and basically, I put the fear in them of, of you don't want just any guy come along just because he's good looking, talented and funny that you're going to follow marry him because, hey, you're going to have to submit to him. Now, I will say this, just just for anybody struggling with that statement, the Bible does say earlier that husbands and wives should, should, should submit to each other right? So it's not just wives submit to your husbands, but it does say that specifically. Everybody's really supposed to submit to each other. But it says that, and 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 I know I have to submit to the eldership. I know that. And, and all of us, every single person in the church is in submission. Sometimes we don't know that. Sometimes people think that it's okay to not, that it's okay to just be rebellious and independent. And it's not. It absolutely is not. We we all live in submission. At the very least, when we got baptized, what did we say? Jesus is Lord. That means he's our king. That means we do whatever he said. And if he said to, to submit, then we submit, right? We do whatever he said. First Peter 5 one says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Interesting thing here is that Peter who's an apostle, calls himself, not an apostle, an elder. An elder. That's that's pretty cool. That's how that's how significant this role is. You know, that even an apostle would call himself that. And a couple of verses later, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud, but, give, but shows favor to the humble. This is really important that that we understand when, when as I'm training these guys the the Sanchez and the Vus and the Esperantos and the Henleys and the Simmons and as I'm as I Michelle and I are are working to help them become what they need to be I'm also aware that I'm basically appointing my bosses I'm basically training and appointing the people I would submit to okay or we submit to one another as a leadership team and and so that's 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 always right there. I I understand that I have that, but also I, I, when I appoint an elder, I'm appointing somebody who the church has to submit to, who the church lives in submission to. So it's really important that it's the right people, and they're ready for this. That's why it's taken a while. These guys, some of these guys have been training for years. In one sense, they all started training when they got baptized, but even specifically eldership training, they've been in it for years to make sure they're ready, their hearts are ready, they are ready. Um, in Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, he gets even more specific. He says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Right, he said. He, he says basically, um, think about your leaders. Think about the people that God put over you. Consider their outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Follow their example. In other words, right? The, this is the way the system works. This is the way the system God set up works. You know, it's interesting. Some people want to attack the church and oh, it's the corporation group or the organization or they'll call it uh, what? What do they call it? Organized religion. You know, and and I get it. You know, large groups take on the organization takes on a life of its own. But we have to remember that God set up the church to be an organization, to be organized religion. That's why we have leadership to organize it and to make sure it runs right in fact the very term corporate well i think many of us probably know but if you don't know corporate in latin comes from corpus or body the body right so the church is the body or corporation is the body and god organizes it it puts people where they need to be we know that right read first corinthians um read read the letters of corinthians and all the explanations and how many count how many times paul says body um, which is corpus, right? Corporate. Um, 
And so the system is he puts the right leaders in place and we're all supposed to imitate them and follow them. And then he later on, he says in verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give in an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit for you. So we're, we're, we're supposed to have always have confidence in our leadership. Again, not because they're perfect, not because they're flaw, flawless, not because they never make mistakes or because they know everything, but because they are spiritual people led by the Spirit of God. And they submit themselves to God and they submit themselves to each other and they follow God, right? Um, and he says, submit to their authority. What authority? The authority that God gave them. Okay, this is authority that God gave them. And sometimes submitting to authority uh, can be kind of un-American, you know, that we feel like we can just attack any leader, and that's the freedom of speech, that we can say whatever we want. That's huge right now. I mean, attacking leaders is like the sport of the day right now. And, I mean, obviously here in California, we just went through a whole recall election, and attacking leadership is the American way, so to speak, as pastime, Right. But that is not God's way, and that is not what God commands. And somebody might think, well, wait, what if we have a bad leadership? One thing you will notice is that God always deals with bad leadership. But here's the thing. He does it on his time, on His timeline, not ours. We see a bad leader, we want him out as quick and soon as possible. And if God doesn't take him out, then we'll take it in our hands and we'll start working towards getting rid of them. And I'm not talking about politics. That's the world. That's not under the scripture. I'm talking about in the church, you know, that we've got to be really careful. And if you've been around a while, you've seen some pretty bad leaders come through the church and you've seen some bad leadership in the past. Guess what? And you know, it's God takes them out one way or another. God takes them out and he always brings in leadership after his own heart. And that's really an issue of faith. Otherwise, God would never tell us to have confidence in our leadership or to submit to their authority. Right. And that, again, this is why it's so important that we're choosing the right people to be in our, our elders, because we all have to submit to them. Honestly, it's a little frightening to me. Sometimes I hear people openly and easily criticize or attack an elder and they do not know what they're talking about the bible even warns us about being careful to entertain any critical thoughts towards an elder why because this is sacred god put them in charge god put them in place and and does that mean that people don't make mistakes no people make mistakes but god what it, it's it's you know, if we trust God, then we know that it's God's church and he's going to deal with things. These are God's leaders, not my, I didn't put them in place necessarily. Now, if I play a part in that, as in this situation, boy, do I take that serious. Anybody I appoint in leadership, I share a stock in them in the sense that, that it's my responsibility to help make sure that they do well. That's the way God is with leaders, with elders, and with evangelists. That that believe me, if there's an elder, and I've and I've been in a situation where an elder went off the grid, went off the the rails, and went in his own direction, caused a lot of damage. First of all, I did not entertain accusations. We sat down, talked, and then when things like the Bible said were proven by multiple witnesses. Then we sat down and talked and confronted that elder and, and we dealt with it. But that was other elders and other evangelists who sat down and did it. Not, not just anybody that, that his peers that God put around him that he wasn't listening to at the time. It's really frightening to me how quick some people are to criticize an elder or to attack an elder. You're dealing with something that's sacred. You're dealing with something that God has instituted. You know, and I think of sacred things like Remember when the when the cart was pulling the Ark of the Covenant and it's and the ox slipped and the guy reached out and touched it and he died on the spot. Why? Because he had violated what was sacred. Or I think of Ananias and Sapphira and they lied to the apostles. They lied to the leadership. And that is sacred. And God struck them down and they both died. Right? What, what Does he do that with everybody? No. But the point he was making was very clear. Don't mess with what God has instituted. 
And I think sometimes we can honestly be uh, just a little too relaxed about obeying God and how we deal with things that are sacred. Okay, again, this is why it's so important. So, for example, me hiring Casey, I'm going to look after him. If Casey makes a mistake, you better believe I'm going to help him with that. If he goes into sin, I'm going to help him with that. So is Reese. Reese and I both carry responsibility for Casey. God carries a responsibility for every elder appointed and every leader appointed. And believe me, he deals with them. I've been around 38 years. I've seen some pretty lousy leaders rise up. And guess what? God takes them out. It always does. It always happens. And and over the years, good leaders rise up. Good leadership always rises up. And here's the thing, though. Is, is like I said, he doesn't use do it in our timeline. We want people taken out right away. Why doesn't he do it right away? Well, one, because he's patient and gracious, and he gives them time to repent. And sometimes they do. We have examples of that in the Bible. Men who start out terrible, and then they repent and become good leaders. And then we have others that don't repent. They stay bad leaders, and God takes them out. We have examples in the Bible, and if you think about it, there's examples in the church, right? I'm not putting any names out there or any labeling anybody, but that really boils down to us trusting God, us having faith in God's plan. The church is his plan. Leadership is his plan. He instituted, as I've said many times, I don't understand why God didn't just put angels in charge, because they do his will. Well, he didn't. He put people who are flawed, who are imperfect, who make mistakes. He puts them in charge. That's God, right? Okay, so I was going to break it down in Greek. Don't have time for that. Um, Here's a literal translation of those verses. Continue to remember your leaders, those who spoke God's message to you. Reflect on the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing changes. Okay, God appointed leaders back then, he does today, and he will tomorrow. Continue to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your soul as those who must give an account. You know, God is holding them accountable. Absolutely, they must give account. And they will give an account, right? Really, in one sense, all of us give an account for every word we've said, right? The, Jesus said that every word that, that we have said in our mouth, we will be held accountable for. So we got to be careful what we say. You know, we've got to watch our words here and, and not be overly critical or overly opinionated, you know, and, and be respectful, obedient, and submissive. That's for everybody, everybody. And I know, I know what I'm saying. A lot of us have, a, have issues with submission in any situation. But with God, we need to fully submit always, 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 always. And and he even says, even to our leaders. Now, obviously here, he doesn't even use the word elder. He's talking about leadership, not just elder. But even more does this apply to the eldership. I take it very serious. I take everything Doug tells me or any of the elders here very serious. And I'm not some new Christian who doesn't know his way around the block. I've been around the block a few times. But, and I would, and, and, and if ever, and it has happened where I've been in situations where an elder was not doing well or saying things he shouldn't say, I was very careful about what I said and not to besmirch him, not to talk negatively or critical about him in any way with anybody else because it's a sacred role. It's protected by God. So how serious is it who we appoint as elders? It's very serious. It's very serious because we will follow them. And notice what he says. What is the outcome of this person's life? That's what he tells us to watch. Look at. Look at their family. Look at their life. Okay, that's it's it's somebody who's imitatable. And you know, how can we how can we have confidence in an imperfect men? I mean, that's a good question, right? How can we be confident in somebody we know makes mistakes? Because our confidence isn't in men. Our confidence is in God. And if he set up the church and he set up the eldership and he set up the leadership, then he'll deal with it. He'll deal with it. He'll make it go right and he'll set it right. That's the God that we serve. So it's time to close out because I've already gone really long. Um, What we're going to do in the next few weeks is we're going to have time to interview these different couples so we can get to know them. 
and and hear some of their thoughts and and know them a little bit better. They are elders. Uh, technically, they're elders in the kingdom of God, but specifically, they're going to be working with our region, right? That's hands-on eldership of our region. So we want to be able to, for them to be able to share and for all of us to get to know them. And then we'll have that time of review and I'll be giving more instruction. I got to close out because I'm way over time. So these are our goals. We're marching forward with our goals to build up the leadership team that Metro needs to have for the future to have a great church in the future as we move forward in advance. So apostles, evangelists, teachers, elders, and we'll add deacons to that. I'll be doing another class later about deacons. So God bless you. Uh, I know it went a little long. I'm sorry about it going long, but this is a very, very important topic. We needed to spend a little more time on it. God bless you and buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com.